Hello, I'm Matthew Bay, a senior analyst at Stratfor, a Rain company. This podcast is brought to you by Stratfor Worldview, Rain's premier digital publication for objective geopolitical intelligence analysis. Sign up for the free Stratfor newsletter at worldview.stratfor.com. You're listening to the Essential Geopolitics podcast from Stratfor, a rain company. I'm Emily Donahue. Palestinian general elections take place in 2021. A wave of legislative, presidential, and council elections going out through the summer. The elections are garnering global attention, but why do they matter? Emily Hawthorne is here to provide guidance. She's senior Middle East and North Africa analyst for Stratfor, a rain company. Emily, welcome. Thank you. So people are calling the slated Palestinian elections historic. Why is that? It has been 15 years since a Palestinian general election. And the two leading political parties, Fatah and Hamas, that govern the Palestinian territories, really have been at loggerheads over so many issues over the last 15 years, um, elections among them. And Elections have been perpetually delayed and honestly are probably among the least of the Palestinians' concerns and, you know, in, in light of economic and security issues um, and sort of the, this political struggle for statehood. Um, so elections have just been delayed time and time and time again. But as of January 15th of this year, um, the Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas called for legislative elections in May and then presidential elections in July and then these Palestinian National Council elections in August. And the fact that he is calling for that means that some sort of compromise has been reached between those two leading political parties. Um, And that in and of itself is worth paying attention to because they have been, again, so at loggerheads over so many issues um, that if they're agreeing on elections, that means that there is really something happening here that both parties think is worth compromising over. Um, They think that there's something that's possible within these elections that could sort of bear political fruit for both of them. Well, what is at stake in these elections? Yeah, so at stake in these elections is really the question of leadership within the Palestinian territories. And of course, that's why elections have been delayed time and time again. I think going into a little bit of the history here is important to understand um, one of the reasons why um, that leadership question is so important, which is the same reason why um, elections have been delayed. That last legislative election 15 years ago led to a surprising landslide win for Hamas, Um, which is the political party and militant group that governs the Gaza Strip. And that landslide victory really alarmed Fatah, which is the larger, older political party that governs the West Bank and technically has more control over the whole Palestinian political apparatus, including the Palestinian Liberation Organization and and all of the Palestinian organizations that really have sort of an outward-facing role, sort of speaking with the international community, with the UN, with other countries, That landslide victory that Hamas had, of course, alarmed Fatah because it indicated that Hamas was popular among Palestinians who had grown frustrated, Fatah being unable to deliver on a lot of their promises. And that led to, I mean, really a very violent conflict between the two parties and forces loyal to them in 2007. Since that time, the parties have had some coordination. They've agreed 
in the past to form unity governments, but it's really always kind of fallen apart. So now we're seeing that uh, this question over, okay, which of these two parties and which other parties, in fact, might be the leading voice for the Palestinians moving forward. So that's the biggest question that's at stake. And then a final point on that is understanding that over the past 15 years, one personality, one politician has really presided over the Palestinian Authority, and that's the the president, Mahmoud Abbas, um, who is now 85. And there's clearly this burgeoning question over, okay, who is going to be the leader of the Palestinian Authority moving forward? He is uh, a member of the Fatah Party, sort of a founding member. Um, He was the primary Palestinian author of the 1993 Oslo Accord, um, which was sort of the first face-to-face agreement between Israel and um, the Palestinians. And so he's a really important figure, but he's also, again, he's 85. There's demand growing for other voices in Palestinian politics. And I think he is feeling the pressure of the need to uh, sort of silence dissent within his own party, to sort of see what's possible in terms of cooperation, compromise with Hamas, and also really turn a page in terms of how the Palestinians can engage with uh, the outside world and other actors. And so it, it really is what's at stake is the next generation of Palestinian politics and the next and sort of what that means for Palestinians and who is going to lead them moving forward. Emily, I think I would be remiss if I didn't ask you where Israel fits in here. Yes, uh, you know, much to the Palestinians' dismay, anything that happens with Palestinian politics does happen in the shadow of Israeli politics. I mean, Israel, as you know, has so much power economically and in terms of security over the Palestinian territories that the Palestinian political parties and anything that happens with elections does have to take into account where Israeli politics is and how they Uh, the Israeli government, how they're able to sort of shape and influence what's happening in Ramallah and Gaza City, you know, sort of the capitals of the Palestinian territories. Israel has been leaning toward more hawkish policies against the Palestinians. And that's something that Palestinian political parties are grappling with across the spectrum. Um, And when I say across the spectrum, I mean, within Hamas, within Fatah, and within all the other smaller political parties and groups that make up the Palestinian political spectrum. You know, the Palestinian political scene is not just Fatah and Hamas, but it is sort of dominated by those two parties. But all of those political parties and groups, all of them have to grapple with that increasingly hawkish stance, that increasingly oppositional stance toward Palestinian statehood. Um, so it, it almost forces a position of compromise among political parties that might not typically agree with each other, they can all sort of agree that they're facing a similar pressure from Israel. I think that's one of the drivers to these elections actually potentially taking place. And I assume that there are security implications here. There are. And one of the reasons is that those other Palestinian parties that uh, we just mentioned, the smaller ones that sort of operate alongside Fatah and Hamas, there are some who really have a strong adversarial stance against Israel um, or that are okay with using violence as a means of trying to fight for Palestinian statehood. 
Palestinian Islamic Jihad, PIJ, is one of them that is similar to Hamas in some ways, but different in others. Parties like the PIJ have said, hey, we're interested in running in these elections. If that happens, and if these elections take place, and you actually do have some parties uh, running that have within their sort of guiding charters the acceptance of using violence as a means of advancing the cause of Palestinian statehood, that opens up a huge can of worms with how that Palestinian government is going to be viewed and treated um, by the outside world. And I don't think it's, uh, I don't think we can assume that the U.S. government is going to deal with a Palestinian government that has a group like PIJ operating within the parliament. Um, and if PIJ or Hamas is still um, launching rocket attacks or mortars or incendiary balloons at southern Israeli territory, but they're also part of the government, that is going to make it really hard for the Palestinian government to be taken seriously or to continue to receive economic aid from countries like the United States or from European countries. So there are security implications related to who among the Palestinian political parties and voices actually sort of lands a position in government, again, if these elections take place. Um, and I think that is also another important point is these elections are are so rare that there still is a chance that they don't actually happen. And that's one of the things that we're watching leading up to May and July. And I think one of the key things to watch is if those preparations for those legislative elections actually take place, that's going to be sort of a confidence building measure to see if the presidential elections can take place. And then the council elections then taking place. Like I think they're going to be taking this step by step to see if that compromise between Fatah and Hamas um, can actually hold such that these elections do um, actually take place on the ground. Emily Hawthorne is Senior Middle East and North Africa Analyst for Stratfor, a rain company. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. You can stay up to date on Stratfor's analysis of Palestinian territories in Israel and so much more. Sign up for our free newsletter today. Go to worldview.stratfor.com. That's worldview.stratfor.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening. 